Welcome to another edition of From the Resort Podcast. Your host, Tim Wilshire, here on the 27th of April, 2023, uh, here in the Mountain House uh, in uh, in town. And we've got a, a guest, um, which I think we'll have, have a bit to, to tell about her career. Um, always a lot of interesting people around town. One of them is definitely Emily Rutherford. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Oh, thanks, Tim. Uh, Emily is a co-founder um, of the Kiwi Water Park, which is... Uh, uh, situated at uh, Cromwell, runs from usually the end of November to around the middle of March. Yeah. Middle of March every year. Um, very, so it's a seasonal sort of business, um, but obviously takes all the year round to sort of keep things organised and getting supplies and that sort of stuff. So I'd be interested to hear about how that all came about. But uh, where we like to start, Emily, is. Um, where were you born uh, and what was life like growing up? So, yeah, I was born in Queenstown, properly Queenstown girl. Um, I grew up in Queenstown as well. Yeah, it was good. I played a lot of sport growing up, did dance and a lot of sport and a lot of swimming and, yeah, loved it. So, what's, can you remember what school you went to? I went to Queenstown Primary and then I went to Wakatipu High. So, where was Queenstown Primary back in the day? Was it there or was it somewhere It's, it's still pretty much identical to when I went there because... Um, they made all the other new primary schools. So Queensland Primary School is identical to when I went there. Yeah, so you've been here, I mean, obviously here from day one, mm-hmm. and probably the only person on the podcast so far that I can think of that was born in Queenstown. I could be wrong, but I think most people have come here rather than mm. being born here. So uh, what was life like in Queenstown back in those days? What, what are your earliest memories of the place? Was it really always like tourist central or was there any a quiet period where it was just a, a country t- felt like a country town at all no it was always a tourist town my whole life um so yeah it definitely was a tourist town my entire life it was smaller but it's still kind of the same mm. weirdly it, although it's bigger now it's still pretty similar um in terms of people that live here the people that come here the people that come on holiday here hasn't changed that much really although it's gotten bigger that's it the actual culture of the town hasn't really changed i don't think that much so the, obviously the sporting activities you said swimming um and obviously that sort of stuff was it easy to make sort of lots of friends around the place or was it interesting sort of growing up with kids coming in and out I really enjoyed like primary school in early years, but I didn't really like high school. It was pretty small um, back then. My year was pretty small. Um, so I'd been with the same people since kindergarten a lot of the time. So yeah, I didn't really enjoy high school to be fair. Um, I would have probably preferred if there was more high schools to choose from or there was a bigger high school or something like that. Um, but there still actually is only one high school in Queenstown. All these years later, still only one high school. So, yeah. So is that the high school you went to, Wakatipu then? Yeah, that's the only high school. So, yeah, Wakatipu High has moved the campus, but it's mm. still the only high school. Back then, though, you did start in year seven, mm. and now you start there in year nine. Um, but, yeah, still only one so high school. You, you don't start there until year nine, is that right? Yeah, so now they have... We used to finish primary school. We finished Queensland Primary at year six, yeah. and then year seven we went to... Um, the high school, Wakatipu High School, so yeah. that's at about 10, 11, you went to high school. Now you go to high school at 13, you go to high school in year 9 in okay. Queenstown. So okay. they changed it a wee bit, but uh, apart from that. <laughs> yeah, okay. So when was, uh, I guess, going through your, did you sort of have your first job in Queenstown? Were you, as a teenager, what was your first job? So I have had every job in the book in Queenstown, which has taught me a lot. So I basically, um, my first job, I was um, about... 
10 and I worked for what used to be Fjordland Travel and now is Real NZ and I used to put lollies and brochures in bags for the coaches. So I did that a couple hours, about two times a week for two hours each time. <laughs> I think I got made about like $10 an hour or something, less, maybe less, maybe $5, I don't know, very little. <laughs> I was only a 10-year-old, so. Yeah. Uh, every job in town. So tell us about some of the jobs, I guess, in your teen, in your teen years. So I have worked, I actually worked at Onsen Hot Pools when it first opened. That was like one job I had, um, reception at Onsen Hot Pools. I worked um at the New World in, in Frankton. I worked at the warehouse in Frankton. As a 14-year-old, I worked at the warehouse. 15, I worked at the New World. 16, I worked at a, a restaurant in Remarkables Park. 17, I worked at Onsen Hot Pools. 18, I worked at Ferg Burger. So Ferg Burger, yep. Um, 19, I worked at Pier which is, used to be called Pier 19, it's down there. It's still called the Pier, that one? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah, that down there, 19. Yeah. And uh, when did I work after that? Gosh, I can't remember. I think I worked at a rental car company at the airport after yep. that, 20. And um, then I, w- I worked at Millbrook and I worked at the gym. So you worked was, at the golf course as well? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I did. I worked what, at Millbrook. What was your role there? Sort of... I worked at the gym. Gym, yeah. And I, I was actually a fitness instructor from 20. So yep. I did became a fitness instructor at uni. Yep. And so I worked at the gym at Millbrook. Um, where else did I work? I also worked for a bit for my parents who ran a scenic flight company in Queenstown. So I, I worked a bit for them and my holidays and things now, as well. I, so I've met your mother. Um, is your dad, is he still around as well? No, my dad passed away oh. four years ago. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. Um, so, so tell us about, um, I guess, that's a lot of jobs in, in a short period. I mean, I feel like I had more, but that's um, like, you know, some of the ones one, I remember. <laughs> yeah, well, you've had that many. Um, I, can, I can see you probably missed a couple there, that's fine. <laughs> um, so when did you, you went to the UK to work. How old were you when, you when you went to the UK to have a look at that? So I basically went to uni in Dunedin. So you went to uni, what did you study there? I did marketing. Yep. And then um, in my third year, there was a guy... Um, who came, I was a host for international students and there was a guy that came in my third year that lived with me and he was called Richard and he was a Zumba instructor and this is the height of Zumba so this is like um, 2010 or so um, and it was, Zumba had just come out, it was this big thing and I had done huge amounts of dance growing up so I was really interested in that. And then I helped him set up classes. And within a few weeks, there was like 300 people a class. It was crazy. Mm. And then I decided to do a course to become a Zumba instructor too. And then he taught me his ways. And then I took over his classes when he left. And I actually made quite a lot of money um, in that third year of uni teaching Zumba. Um, as you have massive Zumba classes. And then I was asked to be in this Masters of Business Entrepreneurship um, program. Um, and so that was a year, took a year and a half. So I did a Masters in Business and Entrepreneurship. And I stayed in Dunedin and I was also teaching Zumba whilst doing this Masters course. And then after that, so I was 22 and I had my Masters in Business and as well as my BCom in Marketing and Business. And then I decided to go to London with no money, which wasn't the smartest idea in the world. 
So I moved to London and I just turned 23, I think, when I moved to London. And I had no money. <laughs> and so, yeah, so then I ended up living in London first. So what sort of, what was the first job you had when you were in London? Then? Well, I had no money in London. That was my biggest issue. And you need money to, like, apply for jobs and go to interviews and things. So I ended up just doing kind of really random jobs in London. Mm. Um, like, I did bartending. I did um, a whole pile of stuff. And then I ended up... Um, Somehow, I don't know how I ended up doing this, but I ended up signed up for sort of like promotional modeling agencies, and I found that was much better money than bartending. And then I and then I used to be able to travel more because you know it was less hours for a lot more money, and so I kind of basically went to like trade shows and other random events, and I randomly just like did nothing really, just kind of stood at the booth in a nice dress and just gave out a flyer and things like this. So I used to do this when I was um, like 23, moved to London, and then I would, you know, spend my money traveling and doing activities and things like this. Um, yeah, that was the first thing I did in London. But I did a bunch of stuff in London. Like I just did all kinds of random jobs and bits and bobs because I had no money, so I didn't have enough money to like take time to like apply for proper jobs and things which was quite silly really because did you move around or do you sort of stay in the same area i moved around a lot as well in those first year or so in london i was with my best friend at the time so we moved around a bit and oh gosh i yeah so it was a bit <laughs> random and then i ended up doing actually a promo job at twickenham stadium and i saw um I saw like the dancers on the field and I was like, oh, I've always done so much dancing. I was like, you know, so then I ended up, me and my friend auditioned. I was like, that would be fun. We auditioned to be in this cheerleading dancing group that performed at like football and rugby games and things. And I got into that, which was really, really fun. And then after a while, I was like, you know what? I could totally run my own entertainment company um, where I choreograph and I organise all the dances and all the other entertainment and the staff and everything for events, kind of like an events and staffing company I set up in entertainment. So I set up my own company. Was this there in the UK? In London, yeah, at like 25. Wow, that's good. And then, so I never really had a, well, never really had a proper corporate job. And then, yeah, and then I ended up doing that. And what was, I, what was the name of that? Money Entertainment. So it's called Money Entertainment because a wee bit of New Zealand kind of going in there. And then, and then I had you know, my own cheerleading team that I organised for um, like a few big sports teams. So we did a cricket team and we did a rugby team called Saracens, which is um, like kind of like the Crusaders of England. Yeah. Um, they always win everything. So yeah. So basically, um, yeah, I ran that. Uh, for quite a few years and then and I organized staff and entertainment for a lot of conferences and all this kind of thing myself and then yeah we did some massive events I was hired by Emirates to organize entertainment for Dubai Rugby Sevens which was a massive job so I got flown out to Dubai and organized that and did some really really big events and then COVID hit um, and I was like, you know what, 
everything's been cancelled. Mm. Absolutely, every event had been cancelled that I was. So, you, so when COVID hit, you were still in the UK at the time. Or? Yes, I was in London and I was doing all these events and organising all the staff and entertainment and everything for these events. And then COVID hit, and I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to um, get out for a couple months because my lease had actually just finished. So I had technically nowhere to live. And I was like, well, there's no point signing on a lease right now when I don't know what's happening. Everything's just been cancelled. So I was like, I'll just go home. And there was really cheap flights. So I was like, I'll just go home for... Initially, I booked for two months, thinking everyone at that point thought the pandemic was going to be over in two months. I thought it was just going to be like... So I'll just go home, see mum for a bit. Um, you know, spent a wee bit of time at home. I've been in London for seven years. Mm. Um, and I'd come back and forth a bit, but, you know. Yeah. So, and then obviously the rest was history. The The borders shut, borders were shut for two years. Mm. And I had always liked and seen the idea of opening, at like, of an inflatable water park. And I was like, that's a really cool idea. So when did you first sort of see that or come, when did you sort of think that was viable? Um, I first saw that, um, I would say, hmm, when did I see the idea? Um, gosh, I'm trying to think. I don't know, but I, I always liked that kind of thing. Mm. And I saw it overseas, and then I saw some YouTube videos as well of one in... A big inflated water park in Canada mm. on a kind of a mountain lake. And I was like, you know what? I feel like that's what Queenstown kind of region doesn't have mm. and would do well. But then I was in London and I was had all these events on, so I didn't have time to kind of do it. And then when I came back and the pandemic hit and we kind of started, started to realise pretty quickly it was going to go on for a while, I was like, okay, so I'm in New Zealand now. Why not just give this whole inflated water park idea a go? Mm. So um, through that lockdown, that first lockdown, I sort of did a bit of a business plan, and then I convinced Mum to go into business with me. So this is obviously three years, just over three years ago. This all started, the business plan, and basically, mm. yeah, exactly three years yeah. ago. Yeah. yeah, pretty much. Well, three, yeah, pretty much. Because those first couple of weeks, I was back. I Scott, yeah, literally, I would say I started the business plan about now, mm. three years ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so then I was like, cool, I am going to do this thing. And, yeah, the rest is history. We did it. <laughs> so, yeah, that's pretty much what happened. It's good to, I mean, certainly good to have someone like your mum on board to, you know, and you guys are obviously very close. Um, so, I guess... How does does what you sort of experienced up until then, I guess, impacted on how you sort of went about the business plan and what sort of, I mean, where did you sort of, you know, how did you sort of do it, I guess? So, basically, um, I, so mum had, my mum and dad had owned a scenic flight company in Queenstown for 30 years, which mum sold just before COVID. My dad had passed away. My dad was a pilot. My dad passed away and my mum decided to sell the business, which they were going to sell the business anyway because she's older. So she had 30 years experience in terms of like health and safety and insurance and running a business in the area. And then I... I had, 
you know, all these years of experience of organising staff and entertainment for massive events. And I'd also worked alongside, you know, quite honestly, phenomenal social media and marketing people, um, you know, and seeing what they did. And and then obviously we have that local know-how as well together. So... Yeah, we just decided that this is what the area didn't have and what was missing. And we were right, really. I think it was kind of a mixture of our skills, which um, made it a success. Now, probably, you know, okay, as far as being reasonably well documented, some of the challenges that you may have faced over the last few years, getting Kiwi Water Park to where it is today. Go through some of that, I guess, especially the, the setup in the first season and that how, you know, the challenges that you had with COVID and and other challenges that you may have had? Yeah, so obviously we opened for the first time 27th of December 2020. Mm. Now, um, when we opened, obviously no one knew what was going on with COVID. At that point, New Zealand was COVID-free. The borders were completely shut. And, you know, we sort of set a few things up to... Um, so that we could still operate, you know, under certain restrictions. Um, so it was difficult getting consent in the first place. Then we had to get everything over. Then we had to get staff. And quite frankly, I didn't really know anything about inflatable water parks. So it was pretty much, you know, we jumped into this so quickly. You know, we started the business plan roughly around now. Three years ago, yeah three years ago so that was in the late April I would say so late April start of May we started the business plan and we opened what's that like two days after Christmas two days after Christmas so there was like six or seven months that we once we decided to start a business plan to like opening a business Mm. so most people spend years Mm. um you know, thinking about it and, and everything. And we And this is didn't. completely from scratch. I mean, you've had to go mm-hmm. get, you know, talk to suppliers worldwide perhaps or New mm-hmm. Zealand or wherever. You had to organise all that. You had to get a, a team of staff together. Mm-hmm. You had to get people that are qualified to look, you know, look after water activities like, mm-hmm. you know, surf life-saving type people. Yeah. Um, to be able, yeah. So getting all of that, big challenge. Yes, yeah, so we did everything in a very, very, very short time frame. Um, extremely short. And quite honestly, I actually think ignorance was why I did it. Because if I had have known everything I know now, I may have been like, oh, no, I'll just do it the next year because, you know, let's just spend a bit longer planning and sorting it. Yeah. But I just kind of decided we were going to do it and we just went headfirst and did it um, without much experience or knowledge about what we were actually mm. doing so it was very single swim literally yeah <laughs> single swim and you know obviously a very big, short time frame a big you know a reasonable financial risk mm-hmm. yes well i had sort of figured i was like okay so if we because we got a six-year consent and i figured okay well if we get put into lockdown then okay we've got this stuff we'll just have to put it back in container and then we'll have to do it next summer so my, 
you know, when I did the business modeling around the, the financial risk, I was like, okay, well, if it just doesn't work out for this summer too much because of COVID and things, then we could do it for next summer. And at that point, you we thought, oh, surely COVID, pandemic would be fully over by then. You know, again, it was like yeah. everyone thought that at the time that it wasn't going to go on for as long as it did go on for. Um, so quite honestly, I think that we just did it. And I think... A lot of people spend, like now I'm looking at where to open more parts and other businesses I'm interested in doing and I'm thinking way more into it than I did with this business. Quite frankly, this business at the start, I was like, this is a good idea. I think people will go to it. Let's do it. Mm. And, and I and at the end of the day, you've, had, you've pretty much done it on your, all completely your own and backs. You haven't had any other sort of other uh, investors or... No. Is that sort of something you've you've sort of thought about? I guess you would have probably thought about it with your business plan, getting maybe investors involved at some stage or... Mm, Well, I think that, um, you know, from my perspective, I've done about five, six people's jobs. Mm. And I think that's what... Like, if somebody wanted to recreate what I've done, Mm -hmm. it would cost them a lot of money because they'd have to hire a lot of people to do the jobs I've done. Yes. So, like, the jobs that I do, HR, hire people. Marketing. um, Yeah, but that's on multiple jobs. So, I do, yeah, yeah, HR, PR. So, like, the first season, I I just personally called and emailed the radio stations, the um, news... news, you know, like News Hub and yep. and One News and the radio, you know, all those kind of the newspapers and stuff, I contacted them myself. So I did that. So that's a PID job. Yeah, HR's a job, PR's a job for yep. a company. Yep. Um, I did the content creation myself. Yep. So I took all my own photos and all my own videos and I edited all my own photos so and my own videos. And, and that, we were quoted for someone to do that at like, $15,000 or something, you know? Yeah. So, like, I did that job myself. Mm. I did the actual social media myself. Yeah. Um, and then I did all the day-to-day management myself. And mm. then I did the hiring the contractors and organizing the contractors and the um, the Boys. dealing with yeah. things. So I was doing about six jobs, if you actually break down what yeah. a normal company would do. So I think that's probably how we actually got away with and then mum did kind of multiple roles as well that, you know, so if, if somebody was setting up my business and they were actually having to hire people to do all those jobs, they would need an investor. Well, she would have done the accounting. Yes. And and also mum already had, from 30 years in the aviation industry, really good connections to be able to get us insurance really easily yep. and yep. Um, all of that kind of thing. And yeah, accounting and all of that. She already had all of that. So, um, yeah, I think if somebody else was to start and do what I did from scratch, they have to hire people to do what I did. And yeah, and because ultimately I am a marketing and social media specialist as well. Mm. Um, and and also content creation. Mm. Like I spent in that first season. I remember being up in those first few days till 4am editing videos that I had taken and putting them online and then those videos went viral on both Facebook and TikTok and that's how we got business. So we didn't have brochures, we weren't on any websites, we didn't have any SEO because we hadn't been around for any time. Mm. So the only way that people knew about us were from three things, The, the news, like being on radio, being on um, 
newspaper, social media, and um, word of mouth. Mm. There were only three ways people knew about us. So the social media had to be good. So, you know, I spent, you know, four or five hours a night in those first mm. few few weeks editing videos, photos, doing all of that kind of thing to make viral videos to get people to the park. And if you were hiring someone to do that, it would cost you a fortune. Um, but with my dances and the entertainment stuff I'd done, I had spent years editing videos. So I had a lot of experience um, in video editing. Um, so that saved a lot of money, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I guess you're talking about, and obviously that's, that's a big workload that you've, you've just mentioned, you know, doing the job of six people. I mean, how, how does, I mean, and, and part of this may be that, okay, I've got, a, I've got a season to get through and then after that I can take my foot off the pedal a little mm-hmm. bit. Maybe that's part of the answer. But mm-hmm. um, balancing, you know, work life, personal life, hobbies outside of, of business, how do you do that during, you just don't do that? I didn't have any life. For those first month that we opened the business, I had no life. I was working... Um, crazy hours but then um, after that I had a a big break at the end of that season so that first season we actually were only open for two months Um, months yeah yeah, so it wasn't like I definitely couldn't do that long term Um, yeah we're only open for two months that first season and we had a few bad weather days which I got a bit of a break on um, but yeah, I was working, it was a bit crazy for two months, but, um, yeah, I wouldn't do that long. I wouldn't be able to do that year round or anything like that. And that's sort of more like, it's more like definitely goes for four months and preparation a month before or two months before or three months before. And so mm. it's more like at least six months a year, just full on, isn't it? Well, that first season, not really. Because I mean, the, I mean, first... the second and third season. Oh yeah, yeah absolutely. So the first yeah. season, it was like, okay, we set the thing up. And then it was just go for like two months and then and everything. And then after that, it got a lot more difficult in terms of the pre-everything because then we knew things. Like um, the first season, we didn't really know what we were doing with everything. So, you know, we didn't prepare, prepare enough because we didn't know what we were preparing for because we'd never run the business before. Whereas now we, we know what we're doing a bit a lot more, so there's a lot more. You're like, oh, okay, we, that's going to happen. Let's prepare that now, you know. Whereas that first season, it was just, it was a miracle it all worked out in the end, really, because we, I didn't actually know what I was doing, and 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 you know, luckily we had some great lifeguards and everything like this, so the health and safety was fine. But in terms of it, I didn't, what's I, I didn't know what I, we no one knew what we were doing really, like. Mm. Luckily, it worked out, but... <laughs> but then it's, it's a learning from that as well. You, you, in that first yeah. season, you say, okay, we did it for this amount of time. These mm. are a lot of things that we learned along the way. And we're obviously surviving, so let's come back again and do it all again and, mm. ke- and keep it going. You've got the six-year, you know, make the most of that. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Mm. So what advice would you give to somebody who, I guess, is starting up? And, oh, I don't know if it's, it's not a crazy idea what you were doing, but it's still a... You know, it's still your own business. I mean, it's your business, yours and your mum's business. What advice do you give to somebody like that? Because you've obviously had some experience in the UK with your own businesses, but 
what are some of the lessons learned or what some of the um, advice that you would give? I feel like you have to do it. Like if you're going to do it, you have to do it because I think a lot of people spend years and years and years and years and years talking about what if this and what if that and what if the next thing. Hmm. And if we had of if I had have actually sat down for too long, I would have and thought about it. I would have never started the business. Hmm. So obviously, so there were so many things that could have gone wrong, and we could have gone into there could have been a COVID case. And we could have gone into lockdown in the first week mm. or had to shut down the first week because of COVID at that point, you know. Yeah. So had I actually sat down and thought about it for too long and thought about all the risks, I would have never started the business. So I think, you know, I talk to a lot of people that just spend years planning businesses. Mm. And until you actually do it, mm. you can't actually, you know, you don't know what's going to happen mm. until you do it. So you kind of have to do it to then know what you need to plan for the the next season or the mm. next you know quarter of a business or, or the, you know i think you kind of have to jump in mm. sometimes obviously you've got to do planning and you've got to make sure what you're doing safe and things like this um which we did when we made from day one we made everyone wear life jackets we had lifeguards we you know we did all those kind of safety things um you obviously need to make sure if you're doing something like that everything's safe but you actually can't spend too long um, thinking about something, I don't think. Um, I know that's weird advice because everyone else is like, think, think, and plan, and plan, and plan. But you can't, you know. Mm. I mean, is there anything in your, in, your, um, in your career, is there anything that you sort of felt like you failed at and you've learned from? Yes. I, I'm very good now at seeing business as business and when I was younger I took business things personally Mm, and I think a lot of people take things in business very personally and um, I truly believe now I don't really take much personally in business so I think that removing and as hard as that is removing your own ego and your own personal feelings um from business from your business is is the best thing you can do mm. you know um because too many people um too emotionally attached to their business and they, and they don't get past that they don't get past that and even you know i always see things come up on my tiktok and things about business and people saying oh you know, when I started a business, I lost loads of friends. Well, that's never happened to me. I haven't lost one no. friend from starting a business. And you, and you don't, I mean, there's, yeah, if you're the right sort of person, personality, which you are, mm. there's always going to be people that will, you know, that, that are warm towards you anyway as a, as a, you know, friend or whatever. So, make you know, so you, you can't sort of think negatively about, about uh, who your friends are. No, I think, yeah, I think, well, but also I think that people... Like, I think one of the reasons that people say they start a business and they lose friends is because people think that their friends are going to be their customers and get upset when their friends aren't their customers. And I think I didn't even didn't even cross my mind, the idea of my friends being my customers. So, mm. therefore, I actually get my friends on for free. But, but like, you can't... Like, people take things too personally. Mm. You know, it's like... And they start, like, say, for example... Somebody might start a hair salon. Mm. 
and then they expect that all their friends will transfer from whatever hair, uh, hair salon they're currently using to their hair salon mm. because they're their friend and they want them to support their business, you see. And and then when their friends don't, they stay with their current hairdresser because they just like the way that person yep. does their hair and it's nothing to do with, it's just business as it, it is. is. It's like that's what they exactly. want and that's how they like it and da da da. Then they get upset and then it's, you know, and that's with a lot of businesses. Um, whereas I never really put any weight on that at all. I never thought I'm in any way relying on my friends to be my customers in any way, shape or form. Mm. So therefore, I didn't, I've never lost a friend okay. in a, during a business. So motivation, how do you stay motivated? And, and I mean, I always, we'll, we'll talk about TikTok and that, but... How do you sort of say motivated and innovate? So you're always looking at new, um, you know, obstacles or whatever you can bring into the water park, and you're looking towards the future of the park. What what gets you out of bed? What motivates you? What motivates me? Because um, obviously something does. Well, I think my dad actually probably he was. He was a pilot and then he set up a scenic flight company where he initially set it up because he wanted to fly. Mm. Um, and then obviously it became a lot more than they had a lot more planes and a lot more pilots that they hired and it became a lot bigger than that over 30 years. But initially he set it up because he fundamentally wanted to fly. He enjoyed flying and so he wanted to fly where he wanted to fly and he had, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the you know the best thing to do was really to set up their own business to fly people around the mountains and everything else. And Dad, you know that was his passion. So I think um, he never was like, oh, I hate going to work today. You know this is not the job I want to be doing. It was always like that was his passion was flying, and he was running a business flying, training pilots and and everything like that. And I think that. You know, that's probably stuck with me is that I only want to do things that I personally enjoy. Mm. Um, and the reality is, is I love swimming. I love trampolines. I love big slides. I actually mm. love that kind of thing. Mm. And... Um, so I've made a business out of something I would have... I mean, if I was... my I mean, my mum said, she's like, oh, you know, if there had been an inflatable water park when you were growing up, you would have wanted to go every single day. Mm. Every single day you would have wanted to go. Mm. And it's like, we wouldn't have been able to get you off it, you know? Um, and so I think creating a business which I personally enjoy mm. and I like seeing other people enjoy um, is is a big motivational factor because I don't want to hate the job I do. Mm. You know, a lot of people do hate the job they do. So tell us a bit about TikTok. How, how does, I mean, that's been very big uh, for your business, I think. I mean, mm. obviously, if you look at the number of followers that you've managed to get, uh, any secrets to how well you've sort of done with TikTok or tell us about your TikTok story a little bit. So I did the first TikTok actually just of a video that... Um, I was sent by my supplier of the, one of the towers and the video, I just put up the video to some music and I was like, this is coming to New Zealand this year and, and you know, it's going to be great. Also, I can't remember. And it just went off. People were like, wow, this, where's this going to be, you know? Um, so I think with TikTok, I was an early adopter. Um, I was an early adopter to TikTok for the business. A lot of people did it 
a year after? A year people still a bit... So you, so you did it in the first season, yeah. Oh, I did it before the first season. Before the first before season. Before we opened, yeah. yeah. To create hype that we were yeah. opening. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Whereas a lot of people... So that was 2020. Mm. Before we opened, I started posting on there. And a lot of other people, businesses, didn't really start posting on TikTok till 2022. <laughs> You know, a year or so after us. So is, I think, is it what kids are using? I mean, what, what, what is the... You get so many people looking at it. I mean, so it's it's very... it's it, Obviously, people think it's just kids, but it's not. It's no. women. Yeah. So women heavily, heavily, heavily use TikTok. Sort of young, um, young women. women yeah. But also young mums and mums and things. Yeah. Um, heavily mm-hmm. use TikTok. Men don't. Yeah. So when we see our videos, it will be like 95% views will be from women yeah oh, yeah okay. that's that's like it's very heavily woman yeah. so that's why i think a lot of male businessmen are like what are you talking about like yeah. Yeah. but the re- because men don't really use tiktok no. um but women do mm. and kids do so obviously sorry we get a lot of boys and teenage boys as well teenage but boys, um yeah. teenage boys kids um mothers and mums yeah. and then you know Young but girl. like adult yep. men don't tend to use it no. So that's why I think a lot of people don't get it. Uh, well, like in business, because, yeah. And so that's that's the reality. But the, the reality is that women decide what the family's going to do. Mm. So, you know, th- that's the top and bottom of it. If, if and, and teenage girls decide what the friend group's going to do. Like if, you know, you know, so therefore it's worked for us because... Um, the people that actually decide on activity and then kids harp at their parents to do what they want to do. So, um, yeah, pretty much no men follow us. Well, very few, probably 10% or something, but like mm-hmm. probably 10% of our followers are adult men, max, yeah. maximum. But it's it, that's the platform that kids, teenagers and women use. Mm. Uh, one thing I want to touch on is obviously the Queenstown Chamber of Commerce. That's where we met, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, function probably nearly coming up to a couple of years ago now. Yeah. Um, tell us about how that sort of influenced, uh, I guess, where you are at the moment in your career. I mean, obviously that, and what tell us about what you you know what you get out of the Chamber of Commerce. Um, I just joined the Chamber of Commerce honestly as a networking thing. Yeah. Um, that was the reason. Um, because I'm not like I'm not really a B two B company that I'm trying to get businesses yeah. um which i think a lot more other so, people I mean, are that, and the people do i mean that's part mm. of the reason i joined is, is mm. networking yes i mean i've been away for seven years and then before that i was at uni so oh, i hadn't lived in queenstown since i was a kid mm. or a teenager so i didn't really know that many like adults that also were in business in, in the area yeah. so that's why i joined honestly and i think it's good just to and it's good to just like hear what other people are doing and the challenges mm. other people are having and um, and certainly there's some workshops they put on which, you know, you could find mm, very useful, you know. Mm, no, definitely. So definitely, you know, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. So, okay. Um, what legacy, I guess, do you hope to sort of leave with the Kiwi Water Park and your career in general? Is, um, that, is that something you've thought about? No, <laughs> but um, I think when I do think about it, I would just like to, I like that we have actually created something fun for people, um, that there's fun, because I think so many things in this world are so serious, mm. and I think it's good that there's something fun. 
I think that um, I like that, you know, we've had our third season and I have so many people come up to me and they say, this is our family tradition now. You know, we're from, I don't know, Gore. And every summer for the last three years... So they come from Gore uh, all up to, yeah. Oh, well, we, yeah, yeah, all around the South Island mainly. Yeah. We've, we've come for the last three years and this is our family tradition. Every summer we come to Kiwi Water Park. You know, it's part of our... And, and the kids, like... And they'll be like, oh, you know, last summer I was too scared to jump off the big jumping platform, but this year I jumped off the big diving board. And, you know, and the kids have literally now started to grow up with it, which is quite cool. And, like, people are like, this is, we do this every year now. Like, it's part of their tradition. So I think it's quite cool to have something which is a fun, positive thing, which is part of, you know, especially New, New Zealand families' um, yearly summer traditions, um, which is cool. So you've done a lot of different things before you started doing the Kiwi Water Park. Um, you've obviously thought about longevity of the business. Is this something you, you can see going for a lot of the rest of your career? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Um, I don't see myself doing it forever, personally. I've got a few other businesses that I would like to do. Um, so it isn't something I see myself doing forever, Definitely for the next few years, 100%, not forever. But, you know, um, I don't know. Yeah, maybe in the next five years. I, I, I just don't know. I think, like, for the next few years, yes, this is what I'm focusing on and building this is what I'm focusing on. Sorry. <coughs> um, but, yeah, not probably for the rest of my life. Um, but who knows? I don't know where life's going to leave me. And... Um, We'll see, but I always want to be doing things that are positive, that are fun, that people enjoy, which are, you know, are good for you. Um, there's so many thing, jobs I've been offered in all kinds of industries that aren't necessarily the best. Um, so, yeah, I want to continue doing positive things, basically, that, you know, obviously I want to make money as well. Mm. Um, yeah. You know, so, you know, I just believe that you can have it all. I believe you can do something that's positive, that's fun, that's, you know, healthy, you know, people are getting out there exercising and also make money. So, you know, um, I, I, I want to have, I want to be able to do it all. You know, a lot, a lot yeah. of people in industries, they're making really good money, especially my friends in London, and they work in industries which aren't necessarily the best, mm. you know, like alcohol industry and things like that, yeah. you know. So I like, that. I like that I'm in an industry which is positive, um, you know, it makes people happy in a positive way <laughs> yeah yeah uh, let's talk a little about queenstown uh, obviously born here you're back here now do you think you your the rest of your life is in sort of this area in the south island or do you see yourself going somewhere else or you just it, it's, it's hard to know it's hard to know like i could see myself going somewhere else for a while i definitely think queenstown will always be my home i love queenstown i have a huge love for queenstown and the whole area, you know, the whole Otago region, like I you know, went to Uni in Dunedin and my whole family, you know, my dad's family's been in central Otago in Queensland area for, you know, 180 years or so. So uh, my mum's from the UK though. But yeah, um, I definitely have a huge love for Queenstown and um, yeah, uh, but I don't know whether I'll be here forever. It's, it's hard. I don't know where life's going to lead me and I'm open to opportunities. So... I'm not gonna. Um, I'm not going to 
pigeonhose my, know myself into something. Yeah. You, I mean, you find that, I guess, living in Queenstown, affordability, you know, is an, it's an issue for most people. Mm. Um, do, you, do you find that that, that's, that could determine whether you're here for a long time or, or just a, you know? Not really. Um, I'm not really struggling financially, so yeah. I, you know, I, I do understand that there are a lot of people that are, yeah. but I'm not, and and I, I definitely think that's a massive issue, and, yeah. and and honestly, I was just actually I went along to the national housing event, and I think the massive issue in Queenstown mm. is that people oppose affordable housing developments. There are people in this community that actively spend a lot of money opposing it because they don't want affordable housing in Queensland because they don't want, you know, it's classist, really, because yeah. they don't, you know, because they want their neighbours to be super rich like they are or whatever. And I do think that's a massive issue. Mm. Um, I think that there is a lot of classism in Queenstown and, and I don't agree with it. I do believe that everybody should have, there should not be people living in vans this winter no, in Queenstown. Right. And and I, I strongly disagree with that and I think that's a systemic issue um but I think a lot of issue is that you know there is very easy to get well not very easy but much easier to get a consent to put a mansion with a lifestyle block on it Mm. but it's very hard to get a consent to put a housing development for affordable housing in Queenstown that or our town or in this Wanaka or even yeah. Cromwell like it's it's very difficult to get those consents to put those yeah. those affordable housing in and I, I think that's wrong I think there's a fundamental issue in Queenstown whereby people should be able to you know work at the local a local cafe 40 hours a week and have somewhere nice to live they shouldn't have to live in their vans and I do think that's yeah. terrible that we're at that state um, personally I really don't think it's good. Yeah, no, fair enough. Anything sort of, I guess, final to say might wrap the podcast up shortly. It's been great to, I guess, get your point of views on stuff, your bit about your career, which I think, you know, it's always fascinating to hear where someone has come from and where they've, how they've got to this point. So anything, I guess, final that you wanted to say about, uh, about what you, you know, I just want to project going forward. Gosh, I don't know. Yeah, as I say, like, I, I'm, I'm the person, I'm like, why can't we have it all? Why can't we have affordable housing, you know, and a beautiful place and um, fun activities for families to do? You know, I'm just, I just am pro having it all in a way. Um, you know, so I think that, I do think there's a lot of opportunity in this area, um, you know, and, and I do think that it's, um, this area could be more, um, you know, could be more fair on basically working class people. I don't think it's fair yeah. that people are living in vans, and 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 I I actually um, think that it's it, you know it's it's a real shame. I think mm. Queenstown and this whole surrounding kind of central Otago area could be phenomenal a phenomenal place for everybody, and there's no reason why. Um, it should only be good for a few and and that's when I was starting the water park as well you know um, we, we wanted an affordable activity you know that was affordable uh, because most other activities aren't affordable for the average Joe to do so we set up what we did to be affordable for the average family the average person to go along to and I think there's an you know, and we've made a profit doing so. So there's no reason why we couldn't also have affordable housing that rich person can do. And 
you know, and it be still people can still make money and things can be, you know, a bit more achievable for the average person mm. rather than only I think there's a big push in Queenstown where everyone's like we only want high value tourists and high value people to live mm. here and you people openly say this all the time and I'm like but that's like open classism like wh- why what's wrong with why can't the average Joe mm. afford to live in Queenstown and also afford to do activities and and things around the area like or why can't the average joe that lives in invercargill or whatever be, afford to go to queenstown for the weekend and do some activities you know why do we have to only high value people should be able to live and visit here i think it's about unfair yeah. um you're just do you think you're you see yourself as a creative person like you like you've got lots of ideas and i didn't try to ask you what any of these maybe ideas that you might look at doing in the future but is it you know, do you, do you see yourself creative? Is that what where you're getting these ideas that sort of come to you? Or I have about I have hundreds of business ideas. I have wow. so many business ideas. Like I could honestly start a new business here, there, and everywhere. Like I just I can see an opportunity to make money and make a business, but in a fair and and um, and equitable, equitable way. In, in most situations, I, I can look at most situations. I'm like, oh, there's a niche for a business there. <laughs> like, yeah. I guess, and like I, I was telling my friend to start a business the other day, like, and, and the thing she's into. So yeah. I can pretty much see majority of niches and f- see where you could make money or where you could start a business. I definitely have a knack for that. I think I'm definitely an entrepreneur. Like, if Kiwi Water Park, if I ended up not doing Kiwi Water Park anymore, it's I feel like else. I would have like something else another business net tomorrow yeah. like i feel yeah. like i've i'm a business person i'm an entrepreneur but i also don't think that you need to shit on other people to be a good business person and i think that a lot of people do think you do a lot of people think you somebody has to lose for you to win mm-hmm. and i believe that why can't everybody win yeah, exactly. you know why can't we all do well no it's know? a great attitude to have thank you very much for your time here on the podcast today that's Emily. All good and we'll get this uploaded or shared around i'm not sure what you want to do if any any social media photos or any to share this around yeah we'll do